Corinthians chapter 3, as we continue to look at this triumphant church and have a desire, I, I really believe that, that uh, Hillside Baptist Church is one of the greatest churches. Uh, and, and it's not because of anything uh, great that we've done, but because of what great things God has done. And so let's just remember that God wants us to continue to grow and continue to move forward. This week in our church, we had the privilege of seeing a precious new child born into one of the families of our church. And this coming week, we'll have another opportunity to see another baby. Hopefully, God willing, she's due tomorrow. And so we're praying the baby comes and, uh, and everybody's healthy and happy. And as I went into the room, I was there. Brother Roy was in the room with Victoria. And, and Victoria said, would you like to hold the baby? Now, you got to understand, I don't ask to hold babies uh, if somebody offers, then I'll hold the baby. Not because I don't want to, but just because some mothers are like, you can't hold my baby. And I get that. No big deal. But little tears, uh, it was kind of, in my opinion, was small. And so I'm like, I told him, I said, I'll be honest, I'm nervous. He says, what are you nervous for? You've had four children. And I said, well, that's true, but mine are big enough where I could pick them up and throw them out of a window now. I said, and this one's smaller than the mine ever were. And so I said, I'm just a little nervous. And so, you know, we, we look at these little babies and, and we're just so thankful they're here, but we would be concerned if they never grew. You know, this baby is going to grow. You know, and my babies, they grew, and your babies, they grew, and we're thankful for the growth. And, and if you're not, you don't have babies, maybe you are a child, you're going to grow. Amen? And if, if you don't, then there's an issue there. But, you know, as parents, we're often, often thankful and at the same time, sad to see new milestones in our children's lives. Think about this. We're thankful because we're, we know they're developing. We know that they're growing as they should. Yet, it, And this is how God intended it to work. But at the same time, we are sad because we know that this stage in life will never be recaptured again. You know, how many of you dread the toddler stage? No hands. All right. I love the toddler stage. They're so much fun, especially when they're yours and not mine. Because I can laugh at them, and I can have a lot of fun and send them home with you. Isn't that great? But, you know, at the same time, it's a great opportunity to mold and shape and to encourage them. And they're mimicking everything that we do, and it's a lot of fun. But yet, it doesn't stop at the infancy or the toddler stage. We know that through the years, we see the childhood stage come, and we see those, those formative years when they begin to, to see everything that's going on, they try to mimic. You ever seen your, your son or your daughter try to mimic what you're doing? You know, most of the time, that's okay. But if we're truthful, there's times where we're like, don't do that. Well, I saw you do it. Well, I won't do it again either. You know, and these are some great times. But we see that through all of all these things, all the different changes, that we see growth in their life. You know, and it's, we're grateful for, to see growth. And God intends, just like these children, He wants them to grow. He wants us to grow. He wants us as believers to be able to grow spiritually and to, and to be able to be what He intended for us. In the book of Hebrews, we see a, a church there that just really wasn't growing like they should, and so they, God admonished them in Hebrews 5 and verse 12, and it says, for when, the time you, uh, for when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong drink. And he's admonishing them and he's saying, listen, right now you should be a teacher. You've been saved long enough that you should be grow, have, have grown and you should be where God wants you. Listen, God's intention is for growth to happen in our lives. D.L. Moody said this. Dr. Boner once said that he could tell when a Christian was growing. In proportion to his growth in grace, he would elevate his master. Talk less of what he himself was doing and become smaller and smaller in his own esteem. Until like the morning star, he faded away before the rising sun. May that be our desire tonight. May that be that we grow enough in Jesus Christ that we fade away 
as the sun arises in our hearts. So let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 10 together. And we want to read these, this text as we, as we look. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that you have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all of our affliction and distressed by your faith. For now we live if we stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy, for your sakes before our God? Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Let's stop and pray. Father, we thank you for just the wonderful reminder tonight from your word of your desire to see us grow in godliness. Lord, truth be told, there are always times in our life where, uh, Lord, our growth seems to stagnate or things aren't going. Maybe we're distracted from our walk with you. And God, tonight I pray that as this early church had this great testimony of growing in godliness, that Lord, as we too at Hillside would have that yearning to continue to grow in godliness. Lord, I don't want to become complacent or apathetic. And so God, keep me stirred up in my heart and my spirit. Lord, and as a church, may we make that our same desire tonight. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for what he's done for us. A great reminder this morning and now tonight as we have a desire to grow together, may you just spur in our hearts uh, this earnest desire, Lord. We love you, Father, and thank you for, his, for all he's done. In his name we pray, amen. As we look here, there's a couple of things I want to share with you because I want you to see really what's going on in this church in Thessalonica. This church in Thessalonica had just, they have been, been uh, just doing awesome. This is a church that had just done good. They've gone through some persecution and their faith had been tried. And truly, Paul was in a place where he wanted to see where they were. He wanted to know a report. What kind of report was he going to get? And so in the last week we looked at, first Thessalonians, or two weeks ago, we looked at the first five verses of this and we saw where, where Paul had this deep desire and deep compassion for the church in Thessalonica. And he sent back Timothy. Tonight we get the report. And so the last time we went over this text, we saw that he's sending out out of his love and his burden for the Thessalonians. He said, listen, I'm going to send Timothy to you. And tonight he talks about the report that he receives. And so let's talk about a resounding report. Really, through this passage, I see and sense a giddiness about Paul. I don't know if you, you, you ever seen schoolgirls when they get all excited, especially particularly junior high girls. Do we have any junior high girls in here? Formerly junior high girls, you know what I'm talking about. All right. Amen. But you, you know how they get all excited and they squeal. I don't think Paul was squealing here, but I do think he was pretty excited about the report that he got. As you look here, look here in verse 6. Now, but now, when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that you have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Listen, he says, just as Timothy came back, he says, when you sent him back to us, he said he reported this wonderful report. And so we're going to look here at a couple of things about this report. First off, he reported that there was a growing faith. Man, uh, so when Paul came to the church in Thessalonica, we find that they, uh, he began to preach and to publicize that the gospel in the synagogue of the Jews. Look at Acts 17 with me. Just by way of reminder, in Acts 17, we'll find here where the apostle Paul first came to Thessalonica and began to preach. 
And so Acts 17 and verse 4, it was here that, very, uh, that some believed the gospel, and lady, later not just some, but a few. Uh, excuse me, not, not just a few, but many, excuse me. In verse number 4, he says, And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a, mul- a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. We see that here there was just not a, a few people that gathered, but there were many. And, and there were some Jews, there were some Greeks, there were some of the chief women in the, in the area. And we see that this was enough to stir up the believing, unbelieving Jews, and they arrested some in the church. In verse number 5, he goes on and says, But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and besought to bring them out to the people." And so so at the very beginning of their faith, they had a choice to make. Grow in Christ or reject it and walk away. The freedoms that we have today in in our nation are remarkable. Consider with me the fact that we can go out and we can preach in the street or we can gather tonight without worrying if if somebody's tracking our movements and whether we're going to be raided tonight. We don't have to worry about those things. These things are great freedoms we enjoy. But listen, it is easy in this freedom to become complacent. You see, this church, in this early church, they had persecution immediately, and they didn't have an opportunity to grow complacent. It was either grow or die. That was it. It was either grow in Jesus Christ, let your faith grow, or or reject it and walk away. But see, so many of us today, we have the opportunity to be borderline Christians. Maybe just a little bit in and a little bit out. And this is one of the advantages of uh, people who are going through persecution is we see that they have a strong desire to grow in their faith. In this early church in the book of Acts, we see that they really went through great times of persecution. And through this persecution, we saw where God really multiplied the church and their faith grew in Jesus Christ. This early church didn't have a choice. Their faith had to sustain them through the tribulation that they endured. It was important that they grew in their faith. We have a choice tonight. We can grow in our faith or we can refuse to grow. The testing and the persecution they endured which reached Paul... And truly, he was concerned. And really, this is what he wanted to know. Which choice did you make? Did you choose to follow Christ? Did you choose to suffer persecution? Or did you back out? And here's a report. And they continued in their faith. They didn't quit when it got difficult. They instead, they grew in their faith. We also see that they had a generous love here. In verse number 6, again in our text, Uh, Excuse me, not verse 6. Yeah, verse 6. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that you have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us. Listen, we see here that there is a generous love in this verse. I've often been reminded that hurting people hurt people. You know what I'm talking about? When someone's hurting, oftentimes because of their hurt, they hurt those around us. And this is a a response that we see in the world all the time. But as we mature, we realize that that God wants something different from us. Those who spew out anger are often, it's a result of something wrong with something else in their life. A man that explodes at his children often is as a result of stress that he feels at work. A crazed driver, and I've seen, heard some crazy stories of drivers, but a crazed driver will threaten, harass, or even attempt to murder another driver for something small because there's something else brewing in their life. 
This church was hurt. This church had gone through persecution, but they had a reputation for love. Can you, can you think about that with me? This is a wonderful evidence of the biblical love in the heart of these people. Listen, they, they went through some great hardships, but instead of hurting those around them, they chose to love even more. Jesus reminds us that this is the exact thing that people will be able to look at in our lives and be able to know that we are believers as a result. John chapter 13, 34 and 35, this is what he says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, disciples if you have loved one to another. As Paul wrote in the church in Corinth, we find that he talks about love. In particular, it is the love of Christ that constrains us and unifies our heart together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 25, he says that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Paul further encourages us to desire love above all gifts and abilities. In some churches today, they elevate the gift of tongues. And some churches today, they elevate the gifts of prophecy. But let me tell you, Paul wrote, he said, these are the least of the gifts. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 31 and 32, but cover it earnestly, the best gifts, and I show you a more excellent way in verse, in, in verse number 1 of chapter 13. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I'm becoming as, as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. He says, listen, and, and the word charity is agape love. This is what he's talking about here. Listen, love is a principal thing. And this church, though they hurt, had a, had a testimony of love. Let me just clarify something today. In 1 Corinthians 13, 8, we, re, we realize that, but that which is imperfect, excuse me, but that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. The word of God is perfect, amen? amen. It's completed the canon of Scripture. When that canon of Scripture was completed, then there was no longer a need for, those, uh, for prophecy and tongues and those gifts. So today we see that God uh, has given us His completed Word that we can trust this morning. I just want to make sure that we have that clarified in our heart and mind. So the Word of God's teaching us that above all things we should love. And so let's look back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 again, because as we see here, there, there may be someone that's hurting tonight in church. There's some, maybe someone that is, that is going through a struggle. And this is what I want to remind you. Take a note from this early church and love those around you, even in your pain. In the last part of verse 6, we see the desire that the church had for Paul and Paul had for the church. It was a mutual love. It was a concern. This is what he wrote here. It says that you have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Man, they had a great love. Paul loved them. They loved Paul. It was a great relationship that they had there. And remember, he received a call from God to go into Europe. He was about to go into Asia Minor. And just as he was about to turn right, God said, whoop, stop. He said, I want you to go left. And he went into Europe and he went down into, uh, into these areas in, of the region of Macedonia and he began to preach and to publicize and to Philippi and then to Thessalonica and to Berea. And we see him as he goes down through this journey and we see his, his deep love for people wherever he goes and they had a desire and a, and a, a really a, a affection for Paul. Paul loved people. He loved to see people saved, but not just saved, but to really to grow in Christ. He was eager to meet those who responded to the gospel. He wanted to see them growing in Jesus Christ. And really, above everything else, that's what he wanted to see the apostles, see them teach the apostles doctrine and fellowship and, in, and breaking of bread and in prayers, as it says in Acts 2.42. 
Paul didn't consider the uh, evangelism to be worthy of the name if it divorced itself from a heart and soul love for relationship with those who were led to the Lord through his ministry. Throughout his life, he wrote letters. Throughout his life, he made visits. Throughout his life, he had the opportunity to invest in the lives of the people he came in contact with. And he didn't stop. It's no wonder they desired greatly to see him again. It's no wonder he was not just the man under whose preaching they had been led to the Lord. They had come to know him personally. They had sensed his love, his warmth, his personality. They sensed that, uh, that he really loved them as an individual. He was their friend. The resounding report that, brought Timothy, that Paul brought, uh, was brought to Paul was that this church was growing in their faith and they had a generous love. What about our life? What would the report say about your life, about my life? Have you been experiencing times of growth? Are you choosing to trust God uh, and choosing to be intentional about growing in your faith? Never have we seen so many opportunities for growth and seen so many churches that are shrinking and dying. Consider with me all the technology that we have today to propagate the gospel, to be discipled, you can get on Amazon, you can get on the, your podcast, you can get anywhere in the world and where you have internet access and glean and grow. This church loved. They, they really had a desire, but what about us? I want God to work in our church in such a way that there would be, truly be no schisms in the body. Let God win in your life by submitting to His desire to love the unlovable. Those that have hurt and wronged you, I urge you, forgive them and choose to love. God is not telling us to hang on to hurt. That's Satan's, Satan's desire. So, we see there, there was a resounding report. Let's talk about a reason for rejoicing. There was great reason for rejoicing here in verse number 7. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. You ever had a time when you had an outward show of rejoicing, but inwardly you were cringing? Maybe you were around someone that you didn't really want to be around, but you put on a smile anyway. You know what I'm talking about. We don't want to tell anybody who it is, but we, we know what you're talking about. There was a lady named Doris Lane. She invited some people to dinner, and at the table she turned to her six-year-old daughter and said, Would you like to say the blessing? She said, I wouldn't know what to say. Well, the mother said, just say what you hear mommy say. And so the little girl bowed her head and said, Dear Lord, why on earth did I invite all these people to dinner? <laughs> That's probably one of those moments you're like, oh, out of the mouth of babes. You know, there's reason for rejoicing in our life. And, you know, this might have not have been a rejoicing moment for this mother, but I think that we can see some things that, this, that Paul rejoiced in with this church. First off, they rejoiced in the gospel. The church, uh, the church not only, uh, excuse me, the church not only got the gospel, they caught the gospel. And, they, and it affected their lives. When they caught it, it, it was not just, yeah, I've got fire insurance, but it, man, it changed them from the inside out. As we mentioned a while ago, they were growing in their faith. When Timothy went, went back, the purpose that Paul uh, sent them for was to see whether their faith had endured the testing and the trials and the persecution. The one that brought the gospel then testified that he was energized to continue. Last week... Uh, it was in the evening. I don't remember what day it was, but I got a phone call from Brother Chad Lawrence. We know Brother Chad. He lives up in, and what a joy he and Michelle were while they were with us. Saved about a year ago and uh, sat right over here in this section. And he called me, moved up to uh, up near Kansas City area where he got his job, moved him. 
And they joined uh, Brother Gary Berry's church up there, just a tr- doing great and they're just really growing in Christ. And he called me and said, he said, Brother John, I just wanted to call you and tell you where we're at and give you an update in our life. And I thought, man, praise the Lord. And he said, he said this is what's going on. We just finished discipleship with Brother Barry. I said, hallelujah. I said, man, that is awesome to hear what you're doing. I was, I was so excited about what God had done. God had let me lead, lead him to the Lord in our home. But, but then when God moved him, I thought, man, God, you've got to get him in a good church. You've got to help them to continue to grow and boy, to hear what God is doing in their life. I was so energized by that. I was so encouraged. And this is what Paul is saying. He says in verse 8, For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. He says we have reason to continue. We have reason to continue pushing on because we know your testimony is not one that's gone, but instead that remains. The Thessalonians had been going through it. Paul had gone through it too. His deep concern for all that they've been through, was, was really displayed here as he sent Timothy. And as Timothy arrived in that city, or Paul arrived in, in Corinth, we read in the scripture that he was by weakness and much fear and trembling. He had been mauled at Philippi. He had been mocked at Athens and Corinth too before uh, Galileo afforded him his protection. Paul had been exposed to much persecution and, and danger. The disciples had thrown him out of the synagogue Attempts against him had finally broken out in insurrection, and Paul was dragged before the authorities. No wonder Paul, having been chased out of one city after another city after another city, began to wonder, was I really supposed to go into Europe? Was that really God's call? You ever been to a place where you go through a testing and a trial? We were talking in our Sunday school class this morning. When you follow God's leadership and you follow God's call, somewhere between saying yes to God and being able to be mobilized into action, there is a time of testing. And he was concerned. Was this, did they endure the testing? Was I really supposed to be in Europe? Did I take, go left when I should have gone right? So Timothy returned to Paul, brimming over with his good news. And the Thessalonians were doing well. And Paul rejoiced. He said, thank you, Lord, for, this, for their growing faith. Thank you, Lord, for what they were going through. Thank you, Lord, for what they had done. Listen, Paul didn't preach a false gospel. It wasn't a name it, claim it message that he publicized. He didn't say, God wants you to be wealthy, healthy, and happy. It was none of that nonsense. Even Benny Hinn, I heard the other day, is starting to recant some of his story. Not all of it. He still needs some prayer. Listen, prosperity gospel, even some charismatics would not have taken the Thessalonians through the onslaught of the persecution that they had faced. What we don't want to hear today, 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that will of godly shall suffer persecution. What we want to hear today is trust Jesus and everything's going to be easy. Right? Here's the truth. Trust Jesus and you're going to go through trials. But the incredible thing is you won't go through them alone. And on the other side of the trial, it's going to be so much better than you could have imagined. Greater than the power of positive thinking or any of that other nonsense. So we see also that he rejoices in their fellowship. When we say fellowship, we talked about this this morning a little bit. We often refer to a meal, but I want to just remind you that it's not a meal that he's referring to. It's the fellowship of the suffering that they had gone through together. Paul, Jason, maybe even others that were in the church there, they had gone through suffering as a result of the gospel. This is a a sweet fellowship that they could understand, that could draw them close together, that truly they could have an opportunity to know that God was with them through this. And I love what what he said in verse 8, For now, if we live, if you stand fast in the Lord. Consider this with me. He could enjoy life again if if, uh, there was... 
the if there was not intended to question their stability. It was simply a reminder to them that his, his peace of mind depended on their bold statement for Christ. Listen, I, I think some evangelists could take a leaf out of Paul's book and say, listen, it's not just about winning people to Christ, but also following up with converts and seeing them growing in Jesus Christ. Paul's converts were a vital part of his life. He loved them. He invested in their life. He wanted to make sure that they came to Christ and they grew in Christ. That's the example of his letters and, and all the, the things that he did. And he rejoiced in this fellowship that he had with them. Maybe he wasn't there all of the time. Maybe he couldn't be there in person. But he wrote and he encouraged and he sent others. And he had a desire to see them grow. Tonight, we want to rejoice together with those that accept Christ. Appreciate what God is doing in our church. I appreciate what God is doing in our midst when we see people joining the church, when we see people saved, and we see people baptized, and we see people walk the aisle. Man, I'm excited about what God is doing. And I'm going to remind you that when we go through the good times, we also need to prepare, be prepared because there will be some trials ahead as well. And it's through those trials God grows us the most. There's some senior saints with us tonight. Some of you have carried the gospel into the regions unknown and to places that we've never seen before. And this has allowed churches like Hillside. Man, there's some great men of God that have gone before us, that have stood behind the pulpit of Hillside, and they have preached the gospel of Christ. And listen, we have a desire to continue that legacy forward. God wants to see us continue to teach the children, continue to reach the lost in our community, continue to see our vans go out in the community. And let me just in invite you to rejoice as we see God working together. But there's also a time to render reinforcements here. Paul rejoiced, but really he really wanted to offer some offer opportunity to reinforce what had been going on. I appreciate Brother Greg leading Hold the Fort tonight. Sure, I'm going to share you the story of that song as we got a chance to sing it tonight. Shortly after the Civil War, Philip Bliss, who is the author of the song Hold the Fort, heard Major W.D. Whittle tell of a small group of federal soldiers who were given the task of guarding a vital storage area during the Civil War. The troops were under heavy attack from the Confederate Army, which was larger and stronger to them than them. And they received a message from them to surrender. But at the same time, they got another message. It was one short sentence from their commander, General Sherman. Hold the fort, for I am coming, Sherman. The captain of the small group signaled back, Sir, we will. Then Major Whittle said, and they certainly did, with the result that the supplies and the soldiers were saved. Listen, I believe God is calling out today and says, Hold the fort, for I am coming. Don't give up. Don't quit. But instead, it's right now is time to render some reinforcements. Now is time for us to, to be reminded that it's time to encourage one another, to lift up one another. There's some, you know, some churches even in our community that tonight we have the opportunity to minister to. Brother McCarty tonight is out ministering to a church this evening. Others will minister in other churches this week. And I just want to remind you, as we go out, we're reinforcing those believers and we're encouraging those believers. And we've got to be able to see that God's called us not just to Hillside Baptist, but to the entire world. And God's called us to take our ministry and duplicate it and build other churches and to be able to establish the gospel in, in places where it's never been established before. Hold my comrades, see the signal waving in the sky, reinforcements now appearing, victory is nigh. Hold the fort, for I am coming, Jesus signals still. Wave the answer by, uh, back to heaven, by thy grace 
We will. Let's continue to do that as a church. And this is what Jesus says, but that which you have already, uh, have already hold fast till I come. Let's do it together. Let's, and we do that first by reinforcing our prayer. This is what he says here in verse number, uh, in the text here in verse number 9. For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy, we, joy we, wherewith we joy for your sakes before God, night and day, praying ex- exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. We see Paul received good news from Thessalonica, but he didn't relax his disciplined prayer life for them. He continued. Matter of fact, it seems to me he almost redoubled his efforts because he knew that the attacks were still coming. Often when we hear things are going well, we quit praying. But instead, Paul prayed more. And he began to redouble his efforts and just continue to pray. There may be things going well, and maybe we see God answering prayers, but let me just urge you, don't stop praying. It is so crucial that we continue to pray. In just a few weeks, we'll have another cottage prayer meeting, and I want to encourage you, be a part of it. And let God just burden on your heart the need to pray together. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And we love this verse, but let me just remind you that this this verse literally means keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Don't stop praying. God's not done yet. On October 15th, 1997, David Huxley strapped a harness around his upper torso and attached it to a steel cable some 15 yards long. The other end of the steel cable was attached to the front wheel strut of a 747 jetliner that weighs 187 tons. With his tennis shoes firmly planted on the runway, Huxley leaned forward, pulling with all his might, and began moving the jetliner down the runway. In fact, he pulled that 747 100 yards in 1 minute and 20 seconds. Not me, buddy. Listen, God's work resembles that 747 jetliner. Just as it is impossible to pull a plane any real distance without, uh, without using its engines, we can do nothing on our own strength. We must pray for God's power. We must pray that God enables His church to fly thousands of miles on the wings of Jesus Christ. The church needs God's strength. Let's continue to pray. Reinforce your prayer. We also need to reinforce our doctrine. And that's what he was talking about here. They Listen, you grew in your faith, but listen, it's not just any kind of faith, not any wind of doctrine. He says, but instead you were true to the doctrine here. There's some things lacking in this early church. Think about this. In this early church, the, the completed Word of God was not in their hands. There was no Gutenberg press. There was nothing that would allow every person in church to have a Bible. Do you have a Bible with you tonight? Raise it up. Amen. Keep it up. Amen. Isn't that a blessing? Look around tonight, and and you know what I'm thinking is all of us have the privilege of having a Bible in our hand tonight. Whether you brought it or not, you have the opportunity. If you don't have a Bible, see me. I'll make sure you get one after church. Because there's no reason why you can't have one. We can download them on our phones. We can have them on our computer. We can access the Bible in almost any way we want to. And here's the thing that we see from this early church in, in 1 Thessalonians, that though they didn't have the completed canon of Scripture... They weren't going astray. They were steadfast. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. There were some things, though. Let me talk very briefly. There were some things that he needed to correct. 
There was, there was about three different areas that he wanted to help him with. And the first one was 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Turn there. I think I've got one verse up there, but we might look at a couple others. In 1 Thessalonians 4, we see where he begins to teach them about the second coming of Christ. And particularly the rapture here is what he's talking about. In verse 13, he says, But I have, would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Listen, there were some that were, didn't know what was going on with those that had died before Christ had come back. And He wanted to set them straight. There was a need for them to have good doctrine. And so we must continue to invest in lives around us and say, listen, I want to get you involved in discipleship. I want to make sure that you have a good understanding of what God's word for you is. If you look, and I, that, this, that went all the way through chapter 5 and verse 3. But there was also an issue with some behavior in some of the Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 1. It says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us, how you ought to walk and please God, so you would abound more and more. There were some virtues in their life that he really wanted to encourage. And he wanted to encourage some of these. And then in chapter 5 and verse number 14, he says this, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, and be patient toward all men. Listen, there were some things that he needed to deal with, and that's with the importance of doctrine. In our church tonight, we want to emphasize the Word of God because that's where we find our doctrine. What we believe comes from God's Word. Aren't you grateful the Pope doesn't tell us what we got to believe? When the Pope no longer holds up the Word of God, when the Pope no longer even believes, actually uh, believes now that even atheists can come to heaven, I'm sorry, but that just doesn't work right. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible, and this is, this is why we come to the Bible over and over and over again, and maybe that needs to be our theme. What does the Bible say? Amen. What does what the Word of God say for us today? Paul would deal with these issues by mail, but later we saw where he had such a strong desire to make sure they were right with the Lord that he later went back to Macedonia in the region of Thessalonica on his third missionary journey. God wants us to reinforce the lives of those around us. Some of you have been saved for 50 years. Some of you have been saved for 40 years or 30 years. Let me just encourage you in our church, we started an organized discipleship program in 2003. Pastor Tolbert led us to do that. I remember being there in the, in the inaugural process of that and boy, it was an exciting time and let me just share with you I believe it's time to renew some of that in our church sometimes over 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 time some of those things have a tendency to stagnate don't they and it's important for us to breathe new life into, into something so vital and I believe that this is an important thing for our church is to breathe new life and into something that was started in 2003 and, and something we need to continue to carry in into the, the growth of the church Tonight, I just want to thank the Lord for what He's done. I want to thank the Lord for this great testimony of what God had done. But listen, just because God is doing great things doesn't mean He's done. A group of tourists were visiting a village, and it was just so beautiful. They walked by an old band sitting beside a fence, and in a rather patronizing way, one of the tourists asked him, Were there any great men born in this village? The old man replied, Nope, only babies. Every person who is a born-again believer starts as a baby in Christ. The goal is not to stay there. 
The goal is not to be a babe forever, but instead to grow in godliness. The goal is to bring those along with us, those who will have a heart to and say, listen, let's grow together in Christ. Let's, let's come along beside those that are struggling and let's teach them how to carry the load. A baby Christian who's been saved for 40 years is a tragedy if they remain a baby. Tonight we see a church that was able to grow in godliness. Are you ready to grow? Are you ready to say, God, I'm, I'm ready to grow. And listen, this is your preacher telling you tonight, I'm ready to grow. I'm not satisfied with where I am. I want to continue to grow in my walk with Christ. And some of these men who are preachers here here tonight have been saved much longer than, than I have. And they've been studying the Word of God and preaching the Word of God. Pastor Tolbert preached here at Hillside as long as I was alive. Amen. And he would be the first to tell you, I have room to grow as well. There's a reason for rejoicing. And I want us to be able to hear one day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But maybe you've grown stagnant. Maybe you've come to a place and maybe you've hit a plateau in your spiritual life. Or maybe you started going back down. Tonight's a great opportunity to say, Lord, I'm ready to grow again. I'm ready to, I'm ready to, to take that first step. And I want to begin tonight by recommitting my life to you. Would you do that tonight?